Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Goal Line Podcast. Today's special guest is a repeat offender. His name is Joey Spivak. So Joey was actually on our first episode with his older brother, Josh Spivak. But Joey currently is a coach for Morris Elite Soccer Club in New Jersey. Joey enjoyed a very great professional career in Finland, England, Iceland. I came up through the Red Bulls youth system, played for the Metro Stars, so uh, has a wealth of knowledge about the game and a wealth of experience. So, Joey, glad you're you're back on the on the podcast. Thanks, buddy. Uh, honestly, man, I I love what you're doing. Um, I love that it's a very open ended podcast. Um, and yeah, man, I just really hope that you grow into what you deserve to uh, to get to. So I'm I'm happy to be on and happy to talk about the subjects that we're going to be covering today. Man, I appreciate that. And so for those who don't know, Joey actually, you know, played a hand in my development as a player. Uh, luckily for me, he would come back when during his off seasons from playing overseas and, you know, kind of <laughs> give me a different experience than, than I was getting currently at the division three level. But um, so Joey has seen me grow since I was about a young 18 year old freshman and here I am now. So, but today, because it's a leadership, you know, focus and coaching focus podcast, um, I think it's a known fact that there are some coaches out there who, you know, who want to kind of cheat the system and are here just to make, make money. So Joey, you know, I, what I want to ask you is where, where did you start to, or when did you first realize that there were coaches out there who really, ha- you know, don't want to say had no idea what they were talking about, but just kind of getting sneaking by, if that makes sense. 10 years old. <laughs> Honestly, 10 years old, I was very, I was very in touch with like um, a few things. Like I was very in touch with uh, being mistreated and, and recognizing when, when sometimes you deserve to be yelled at, you know, and sometimes when it's mistreatment and when there's no direction behind the uh, mistreatment or there's no reason behind the mistreatment. And I think actually a lot of people didn't, didn't like that. I recognize that and actually would fight back on, fight back on that and, and I would kind of like, from my own perspective and my own language at that age, kind of call people out on it. And it and it was almost like frowned upon. But if I was doing it to some and I wasn't doing it to others, why isn't there this, this recognition of like, maybe he's not doing it to them because they're good enough or they deserve his respect. You know, rather than targeting the kid, you should target the coaches or target the environment. You know, and that's... And that's like a big thing I always, for me, you know, moving forward into the coaches, like the environment that you put kids in will either get the best out of them or the worst out of them would want players to come into that environment or not be a part of that environment. And that's when, you know, I grew up in a very good household with a very good mom and dad and a very good father who recognized moments to push, moments to get on me. Um, And it, it gave me like a platform to recognize that within coaches, you know, like a quality father, a good father, especially because my dad was a little bit more involved in obviously the sports aspect of it allowed me like recognize like, "Mm, that's not, you know, a moment to yell at me. That's not that that doesn't deserve. That's not a deserved point like you're making, you know. So, yeah, Yeah, so honestly, 10 and then it grew more and more and more and I got more and more frustrated. And that's why I got into coaching. Not only the fact that soccer is all I love to do, but is is to do my part to dwindle out the crap. So when you entered into the Red Bulls Academy, you know, what was the coaching like there? What was the environment like then? Was it a good one, would you say? Or was it one that, again, you kind of noticed you're like, yeah, that's kind of not right what you're saying? Um, no. So I, I was lucky enough to, um, have Stan Lembrick who, um, went to Loyola of Maryland, great college career and playing for the Metro stars and, um, just an overall great human being. We still have a very, very, very close relationship. Um, I loved him. Uh, we actually had a lot of, um, back and forth with one another, but he realized to get the and to the point where I was I was suspended. A lot of people don't know I was suspended from Red Bulls for about six months from him, and then I um, ended up returning. And then um, he realized like, why am I battling Joey? Why don't I understand Joey the boy before I push Joey the soccer player? And that's my biggest thing 
that I take into my players, which people love and, and people are getting attracted more to Morsley in my, especially in my 2008, because you can create, you know, start to create that environment because they can understand it is that I want to understand the boy before I develop the soccer player. Cause understanding the boy, it makes developing the soccer player so much easier. Like how was their day? You know, what are they going through? How's their home life? Like it means more to the kid that you care about them as the boy than them as a soccer player, like them as a 12 year old soccer player, like it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't, it has, it has nothing to do with it, but how you affect that kid's life means more than anything. And actually you get more out of the soccer player. So with Stan Lembrick, it was very good. Um, then I moved on. Um, there was unfortunate disputes and problems within the rebels. It was run very poorly. Uh, still there is issues now and they, see, here's, here's the thing. They don't want you to talk about it, but they keep having like these revamps. You know what I mean, Jesse? So if things right. are good, why do you keep having revamps? So that's the thing is like, they don't want you to talk about it cause they'll shun you or they'll, or they'll shun your players. But why do you keep having revamps then? Like it's all out in the open. So, so I'm not talking about something that's not out in the open. Why do you keep changing your DOCs, your director of coaching? Like, why do you keep changing your coaches? It's because there's clearly not a good platform. So, so wait, so, so how, how can we, so how can a, like an academy like the Red Bulls, cause I, when I was in New Jersey, you know, I coached at the Red Bull summer camps for a summer and I was coaching with a handful of coaches and, you know, I was kind of playing at the time. So I didn't really know if any were good, if any were bad. I didn't really, I wasn't really mature enough in, into the coaching world to develop an opinion, but you know, how can you, how can we as a, as a culture and as a, in America kind of de- help these academies develop their coaches? Because, you know, a lot of them were English and a lot of them were American and they, you know, we were combining and they had different styles and they had different styles. And it was just like one big mess. It seemed like. Yeah. So here's the thing. And, and this is like, like English guys get like a lot of like, uh, like a target on their back. Right. Because, because of the fact that, you know, they came over here with an accent, blah, 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 blah. But it doesn't matter. My point is like, I don't care where somebody is from. Everybody deserves an opportunity, but you have to have the resume to back yourself in order to coach at a certain level. Like you can't have a guy that was barely even playing at a decent level in England, like barely even playing, like going through YTS, which like their youth team at like a, a conference nationwide, which is like the sixth tier. And he didn't even get into the, into the semi-pro area there coming over and training high level American players. How, how can he relate to them? He never played at a high level. It doesn't, I don't care where somebody is from, but you have to have the resume to back it. I know that there's the head scout for rebels youth. It says, I think he's like French or something like that. And he, it says has been involved in soccer his entire life. <laughs> yeah. You're laughing. You know, like, so has every other French kid. Like how is that even, how is that even on a resume has been involved in soccer his whole life. That's like what like what is that on a resume? <laughs> I've been involved oh my, in my whole life. I'm not a chef. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm not I'm not a, I'm not a, I, my dad my dad's been in food that's all he does. His whole career has been involved in food. He can chef anything up. Just because I've been a, involved in food my whole life doesn't mean I'm a chef. Like it it's it's bad. That's bad, man. And like you have a guy coaching the Red Bulls academy team who has his A license but has no playing career. There's nuances in the game that that guy can't teach people. I know I talked to a Red Bulls player and I was like, I can see, like I was watching video and I was like, I can see exactly why they lose games. And I saw it within 15 seconds. He goes, yep, that's exactly why we do this, this, and this. And then we get countered on. I said, and he goes, you saw that in 15 seconds. I was like, yeah. And the coach can't even fix it. Like, like, and, and the problem is, is like, why is Red Bulls worrying about winning? You don't need to worry about winning. Like I understand sometimes this is why I understand both sides of it, right? I understand okay, why are you are you saying Red Bulls at the like at the professional level, level or in the youth? The youth level. Like, why are you worried about winning? You should be worrying about developing players, like literally developing players for the next level. Because no matter whether you win or lose, people want to be part of Red Bulls. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It doesn't it doesn't matter. You, you people play there for free, so it doesn't matter. For instance, right? The the 07 Red Bull Academy team in two years cut 16 to 17 players. I think it was 17 players in two years, Jesse. In two <laughs> years. So what are you developing? You clearly don't develop. 
if you cut if you cut six to seven, I get it because it's a it's a high level environment. But these kids started at 11, 10 or eleven years old with you, and you cut them in two years. They're twelve. They're twelve or thirteen. You have no idea. They have four years to five years to develop. Why are you cutting sixteen or seventeen players? So it's not the kids' fault. Hundred percent. It's your fault yep. that you didn't develop them. And that's why I get, honestly, excuse my language, pissed off. Is like they're already in an intense environment. They already know the levels they need to perform under. How are you cutting 16 to 17 players in two years? It's because you are crap at developing players because they were obviously good enough to be there in the first place. And, and that's my problem is like, People are in positions they do not deserve to be at. And it's also it's also a relationship thing. Like people get into positions because, oh, their coach coached them at a youth level. Why? It's the same reason why like all these clubs are getting are friends with like U.S. national team scouts. And like, oh, hey, come see this player. Why can't we have unbiased opinions where it's like there is the, the scouts in New Jersey are from Arizona. They're high-level, right, scouts, right, from the U.S. national team. But Mm -hmm. they're from Arizona. They don't have a relationship with the U.S. coaches. So they're going into, like, the PDA versus Red Bull games unbiased, not talking to any coach and being like, okay, yep, I want this player and this player. And like, oh, yeah, what about this player? No, like, no. You don't get to dictate who goes to the national team. These scouts got to come in and just say what players they want based on the system. And that's why, how does the DA, how is the DA, how is the national team not playing two systems, right, for the youth and then all the DA teams are playing either one of those two systems so that the scouts are now going into the DA. I know it's done now, but I'm just saying, you know, right. why they're not going into the DA and uh, into the DA teams and, and they don't even need to say like, oh, I wonder where he fits. You know, it's just like, oh, pluck him, I'll pluck him, I'll pluck him. That's what they do in right. Europe. That's what they do in Europe. They go, all the English teams are playing the same exact – that's why England's succeeding so well. A lot of the European teams are playing either the – the three five two or the four three three. So it's very easy to pluck players and fit them into the national team system. Rather than ours, do you even know what our um our system is, Jess, or our style of uh, I can't even call I it couldn't style. tell you. I, I could tell you like three people on the national team at this point. It, it, exactly. <laughs> and the thing is like the wonder like everybody's like, I wonder why all of our young European players, like we have all these players in Germany, why don't they succeed in the national team? Oh, uh, hello, we have no identity. <laughs> We, we can't right. put players out. We're unsuccessful. Why are we successful at the youth national team age? Like, why are we pretty good? Because we still overpower people physically. We are still right. bigger athletes. That's why. And that's why we fail at the youth age. It's like we're so obsessed with, with winning as athletes at a youth age without a system that when, we, when it comes to the point of now everybody in Europe is just as physical and just as strong, their, their system of play, their – their understanding of their identity and now their technical and tactical abilities are outmatching us and we're not getting better. We just weren't in the first world cup in one of the worst, um, qualifying groups. Yeah. One of the worst qualifying groups in the world. We didn't qualify. So we're clearly not getting better. That's the frustrating part. Like if we were gradually getting better, I get it. Right. Like, okay, we're, it's good, but we're clearly not, we're losing to Trinidad and Tobago, man. <laughs> so, and it's yeah. the reason why we've gone this far into this conversation is because it starts from that simple factor of putting crap coaches into into the highest level. Yeah. So, what like so? How can we as coaches? And, and you know, it's it's funny you touch on kind of like what Europe does. I think um, Tom on my most recent episode talked about how. Atletico Madrid, I think he was saying, they just kind of pull people from the region that they're in and they all play the same style. So now once they, you know, develop into the the pro level, they're, they have already played that same style for years and years and years. So they're easily placed into a system. And, you know, the DA has over, I don't know, 70 some teams or something. And it's just, just shut down, obviously. But, you know, how can how can you as a coach in a club kind of help inspire or help change change the way coaching is done at higher youth levels well first of all the a big problem right is that we we force this oh kids have to uh, teams have to have a style of play or like you know i believe in like a system of play but a style of play is such a generic honestly stupid thing 
So I teach my boys, like, listen, the game is about vision, recognizing defensive pressure, and how do you manipulate and adjust to the defensive pressure? Like, I've seen teams play out of the back, Jesse, when teams are high pressing. No, that's when you get that ball, clip it in your your nine, your your wingers, maybe your nine's going in, right? And your wingers going over top and you're clipping the ball into that channel to start expanding the defense, right? Or or the or the wingers coming inside and the nine is going in behind, right? And they're clipping it in that channel. So then what is the defense naturally gonna do? They're gonna drop off and then you can start playing to feet. So the problem is, is like kids are so stuck into a style of play. That once a team defensively adjusts to your style of play, the kids are shut down. Instead, teach kids to be obsessed with recognizing the defensive pressure and how do I play through that defensive pressure? Is it short combination play? Is it in behind and now and and now we're laying balls off, or is it in behind and then we're going to goal, or is it or is it up back through to get in behind? Am I playing the nine who's laying off the ten or the eight, and then we're playing the seven, the eleven in behind, like? Teach them to recognize pressure and how to play through that pressure. That's number one. That's numero uno. And and obviously, obviously, you start to you have to first of all develop players' technical technical abilities in order to execute the vision and the and all the tactical awareness stuff. Right. That's what kids. First of all, they need to be technically superior at a super young age. Very very technical. Now I'm not talking about. I am not talking about being very, very good on the ball and dribbling, right? Because then sometimes it becomes really hard to um, sort of dictate when they dribble and when they pass. And again, that's a coach's job. I'm saying first touch a a kid's passing. A kid's first touch and a kid's passing needs to be number one. Because no matter what, if your first touch is crap, the next thing is difficult. So teaching a kid to have a good first touch, good pass. Okay, and then, you know, teaching them to have those individual dribbling abilities on their own. Then you go into teaching them like vision and, and, you know, as they get older, right, vision, defensive pressure, recognizing that defensive pressure. But the problem is, is like what in America, we're so big. Like I get the guy's point. He's true about Atletico Madrid and, and even Athletic Bilbao. They, I think oh, maybe it was, it was Bilbao. That was, that's what he was like, talking about. They yeah, yeah, yeah. people from the Basque region. And and it and it's very and it's very good. But the the reason why that can you don't actually see that many players from um, Athletic Bilbao on the national team because the national team sort of has like the Barcelona kind of way. You know what I mean? Right, right. Um, so, so it can it can have its positives and negatives. I believe they're well, they are one of the best developers of talent in the world because they're only getting people from the region. So that's that's um that's where they succeed. But the problem is, like, people are like, oh, America's so great because we have, like, the Latino flair. Then we have that Midwest, like, sort of, like, you know, hard knock passing. Then you have, like, the urban community. And then you have, like, the Italian defensive. And then you have – well, that's actually the problem. The problem is we have no identity. And it can be, be talked about all the time. So people have to be selfless and say, okay, for five to six years, we are going to focus on this style of play. And, and don't argue it. Whatever style of play they choose, if it's Dutch, if it's English, if it's Spanish, whatever it is, just pick it. This is not about your ethnicity and what you want. This is about the kids and focusing on how they can be successful as one identity. Right, we're so obsessed on like whose identity is better. Why does that matter right now? You have to. It's like um, it's trial and error. It's like it's like mm-hmm. I could put it like this right. Is I took the throttle body out of my car. Right, me taking the throttle body out of my car was trial and error, trial and error, trial and error. Now the fact that I had so much trial and error with the car, I could take the throttle body out in less than an hour because of trial and error. In order to gain success, you need to have trial and error with anything in life. The problem is in the U.S. system or in America, U.S. soccer, they want to fix it within the year, Jess. They want to fix it with money and they want to fix it now. It doesn't work like that. No, Nothing in life works in a year, yet we want to fix soccer in a year. No, it's trial and error. And we need to say like, hey, this is the style of play we're going to do. That's it. Do it. 
You don't have a choice. Do it. And I guarantee you, Jesse, you will see players – you will see the national team succeeding because players aren't – what happened to the national team when I went, right, is like they were, they were trying to figure out where people played and what system we were going to play in two weeks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Instead, yeah. you're system in place. You're already plucking players out for that system. You just go right into it. Right. There's no flow. There's no flow. And they'll be like, oh, we have we have a system. We have a style. But no, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. You don't. Because every single coach that comes into the U.S. national team tries to change it. Right. So, so where, where do you think – I mean, where what are the next steps, especially now with the DA shutting down? What are the next steps for U.S. soccer to, to develop? Like, you know, where do we go from here? So I was talking with a um, a uh, a client of mine, a dad, very very smart, very intelligent man, and we we're actually talking about you know problems with with society nowadays, and and he brought up something that that resonates with me with U.S. soccer. He said about like you know all the problems that are going on right now. He said it's so simple to fix that it's scary that we can't fix it. It's the same thing with U.S. soccer, right? It's so simple to fix. It scares me that we can't fix it. It's as simple as this. You find an identity and you say, this is the identity that we want to be. Whatever it is, okay, this is what we want to be for the next five to six years because you got to base it on a World Cup uh, like right. period, right? So mm-hmm. I'd say five to six years, right? Because – even after the World Cup, do you give it? You give it like kind of another year or two, and then what you do is you hire, and it has to be based on obviously. Um, think about like the Senate, right? And states are represented based on their population, how many people they have in Senate, right? So mm-hmm. you you do the same thing on the scouts, and you go, okay, like I said about the two Arizona pe- people from Arizona right. going to New Jersey, and it, and you have two hundred and fifty, let's say full two hundred and fifty. This side, this you spend the money. You have 250 unbiased national team scouts that go into the top clubs because like what the DA should have been. And they are and those top clubs are playing the same system to one or two systems because I believe that you have to have two systems so that you might need to adapt to a team you're playing against, right? You can't just have mm-hmm. one system. Right. And the let's just say the DA, because we don't know what the next I think they can talk about the MLS league and, and all that stuff all they want, right? Let's say you go into the DA teams that are already playing those two systems and they're playing against each other, and you're like, okay, yeah, this kid and this kid, this kid and this kid, yeah, this kid and this kid. And then you bring them in to a national camp of you actually bring them into a regional, regional thing to where you start identifying players. And then you bring them into a national team, a national team thing, and it's super simple because every player that you are plucking fits the system and the identity that you already have in the national team. But if you have, even if they have a national team identity, how can you pluck players into the national team identity when their club teams aren't playing your identity in your system? Right. And you're like, oh, this I saw this kid. Now he's not. Now he's not as good. Uh, well, duh. He's not playing your system and your style of play. In order for things to flow through and be successful, the the bottom part of like in order for a tree to grow, right? The there needs to be good watering for before the tree grows, right? In the trunk, right? In the roots. So the the right. roots need to be the same thing as the full flourished tree. But if the roots are not the same and they don't have the same identity, that that tree's growing all over the place, right? It never really fully flourishes. So our roots are so all over the place that the final product is all over the place. Right. There's no there's no system, and and the thing is, like, you teach the kids, like they'll be like, oh, well, then like. You know, like teams are playing the same thing. Well, well, who are we focused on? Are we focused on 14, 15, 16, 17 year old kids winning games? Or are we focusing on the the full men's national team succeeding? You know what I mean? You're you're mm-hmm. you're, you're telling these 14, 15, 16 year old kids they're, they're focusing on winning games and that gets them the national team. That rather than focusing on tactical awareness, you know, team camaraderie, technical ability. 
um, all that stuff that leads to the success in the future when winning really matters. Right. So the, I, I want to ask an interesting question. I think it would be, I think it's kind of unrealistic and too far fetched, but do you think then the, like the head coach or whoever the U S national team brings in, do you think the head coach uh, should be in on interviews and he should be the one hiring every head coach at the DA level? Yes. Why? Why are these guys not the DA? Um, no, I think he should have. I think he should have like trusted people. But but right. why, okay, fair. But why is like non soccer people in the U.S. Soccer Federation mm, deciding things? They're not soccer business people. people. They're business, business people. people. That's not your. That's not your. That's not your area. It's like Josh and I, right? Do you think I do you think I handle anything involving logistics and money? <laughs> no, no, you don't. <laughs> it's, not what I'm, it's not what I'm good at. I'm good at being the face. I'm good at doing sessions. That's what I'm good at, right? I, You're I'm good at being the face. of the ask Josh that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. I'm definitely have the better face. No, but it, it's true though. Like that's why businesses either succeed or fail, right? Man management and recognizing people's strengths and allowing people to flourish in their strengths. And it's the same thing for a player, right? We used to talk about it at Sentinel, right? These players want to be good at 11 things. And we talked about it in the podcast. They want to be good at 11 things instead of being really good at three or four. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I, I had a discussion with one of my 2008s, right? I did some uh, some social distancing training now that, you know, stuff has been raised a little bit. I, have, I, had, um, I had a few of my boys, right? And three of them were, were really, they're smaller, really sharp technical players. And, and my nine, he's like a bigger kid. He's very sharp technically, but like, this kid's unbelievable at breaking lines, recognizing when to get in behind, recognizing when, dude, he's so good. But on the technical, really quick dribbling and explosive movement, he was behind all the other kids. And I, he's an emotional kid. He's a great kid, right? And I'm teaching him how to center his emotion. But I saw him getting frustrated. I was like, dude, I just want you to know, like, you don't have to be as good as them in that technical dribbling because you're better than them at blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, teach Absolutely. kids what they're really good at and to hone in on what they're really good at because they don't need to get to be as good as other kids because that that's the part of that kid's game. And those kids aren't as good as him in the attributes that he's really good at and they don't need to be. That's the problem with coaches. They want these kids to be good at everything. And so they become so average at all of them. Right. I love that. You know what I mean? I, somebody, I, wasn't like, yeah. somebody, somebody wasn't like, oh, Joey's, Joey's a crap defender. Well, I'm not a crap of like one v one defender, but I'm very good. But the thing is, like, why are they going to focus on me being good at everything? Because the, and rather than me enhancing what I'm really good at to me being super effective in that, and then the guy behind me should be focusing on the defensive aspects or directing. That's what he's really good at. My my six isn't going to be dribble penetrating like me. The eight and the ten, like it's it. Right. it it, it's it, it mind boggles me and 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 it all goes down to that Jess it all goes down to if the US Soccer Federation allowed allowed people to do things that they're really good at like man management and directing people to be a, what they're really good at but the problem is is like there is why why do you think tactics have never expanded tactics never expanded not because we didn't want to expand because Josh and I couldn't bring somebody in that we trusted to bring our product with the same quality as us. Meanwhile, all these people see dollar signs, and that's the U.S. Soccer Federation. They all see dollar signs like, oh, yeah, we'll just pluck him in there. We'll pluck him in there. We'll pluck him in there because it makes them more money. Well, guess what? That's mm-hmm. such a dilute quality. Sometimes quantity without quality di- – well, not sometimes. Quantity without quality dilutes quality. Always. Always. For sure. So um, before I ask the next question, I do want to – Kind of bring up a point too that you talked about how how you're getting kids to understand like their position and be good at their position and you know let others worry about their position and and I, it brings me back to like all of these showcases that I go to and you know when these kids sign up and they say with their preferred position you know and eighty percent of them are putting that there are six but it's like you know what how are, how are all these kids coming from the same team saying there are six like you know what is the coach doing or not doing I guess to Make them understand. Okay, there's already eighty sixes. Why don't you just go be be a winger and be better at that, right? So, yes, the reason why just the reason why coaches can't do it is they don't know the nuances of the game enough to say like, do your attributes 
match this very well. And I just want you to hone on, hone in on those attributes. Like I'm telling you, like I'll go to a kid like, man, like, yo, you're so good at, you're so good at this. Like try this, like literally try this. Like it might not right. be what you want to do, but I tell them, what do you, I said, do you, first of all, do you trust me? Yes. Okay. So do you, do you want to be good at this position or really good at this position? They're like really good at that one. I said, do you want a college coach to say, oh, he's good or oh, he's really good at that one? And that's right. the thing. It's like you – it's just like it's just like these, these teachers nowadays talking politics to fifth graders, right? They're not old enough to recognize how they really feel. Sometimes they need direction, right? So you can't have – and I'm going to mean by the teachers like – you're making these kids think they know everything. No, you need to like you need to give them directions to like stop making these kids think they know everything, right? Give them give them some direction, right? But they're I guess I can put it down to like you have to make a kid feel confident, right? You have to kind of not break them down, but you have to let them know like, "Hey, I've experienced this. I know. Why don't you trust me?" And let's see how we get from A to B. If it doesn't work out, let's tweak it. But these kids, like, it's just, oh, I, 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 I want to be a striker. Oh, heck, man. I want to be a millionaire. <laughs> how, we go about getting to that, how we go about getting to that depends on, again, trial and error, right? Like, how, how, how do you what, – what why do you think you're – you're a good uh, a good nine or a good striker, right? Oh, I like to score goals. Do you score them? No, no, not really. Okay, what position do you play? Oh, um, I I'm play center back. Well, now 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 you want to be a striker, like you know, like there's a lot of there's a lot of details that go into it. But I I totally agree with you. I mean, I don't. But again, if a kid doesn't know what they want to be because a coach doesn't have the nuances to recognize where their attributes best fit. Right, they just want to be kind of the Lionel Messi's and the Ronaldo's, and kind of just you know do the things that look cool rather than do the things that are, are right for them. Yeah, or like, or like, I I can I can recognize because I play the game at a high level where a player will be successful. If a person never, if a coach never played at a high level before, they're just gonna listen to where that kid um wants to play, and that might not be good for that kid. It might be, but it might not be good for that kid. So, so a coach like people are always like in in the U.S. Soccer Federation, they're always like, "Oh, don't like lock a kid in to one position or two positions." And I'm like, "Oh, so you want a kid to learn six positions to confuse the hell out of them because the right. the what to do in." One position is completely different on what to do in the other position. Now, like I have this kid, right? He's at uh, 2011. He's a nasty dude. This kid is like he's gonna be unbelievable, unbelievable attitude, uh, like just a pure athlete, right? And he plays left back for me, and and uh, plays and honestly he doesn't come out of the game. The kid's got a motor like I've never seen. He's probably the only player. He's not like the most technically talented, but it's just what he brings to the game is. It's undeniable. And everybody recognizes, every parent recognizes, right? They've never argued why he plays the whole game. So he wants to get into that left wing position, right? And he wants us and he he wants to get into the attack and score goals more. So I say to him, I say, uh, we'll just call him, I don't want to say his name. Oh, I was call him Matthew. It's fine. I won't say his last name. We go, Matthew. Um why can't you get into the attack? Well, well I'm a left back. Well, you're going to tell me that sometimes there's not space to take to maybe that the the winger is is man marked and there's space in front of you to bomb through into and he's rapid right into into the attack and maybe combine with the striker get in behind and finish or or maybe overlap as we break the lines right they know that at, at 9 right how to break lines it's crazy right. um, how yeah. to get overlap and and how to get into the attack because i recognize that this kid is could dude he absolutely could be a winger, but I'm recognize I'm trying to teach him like don't think being a left back means you can't get in the attack. It's about recognizing moments, but also teach him like Matthew, what happens when you leave the left back for your team? And I put somebody else back there. He goes, oh, like you know, there's a lot more shots on goal and there's a lot more scoring opportunities. I said, do you like that? He goes, no. 
So I so I said I, I explained to him because he's still nine. I said, why don't you play left back, deny all these people scoring goals, and still recognize moments to get into the attack? He goes, dude, he's so intellectual. This kid, he goes, not a bad idea, coach. And I go, exactly. And and then maybe I could talk to so and so who's playing left wing to when you're making those runs forward to tuck in behind and hold your position. So that's the thing. But people don't recognize that, Jesse, in order to teach a kid like just because you're playing left back doesn't mean you can't get get into the attack. They're like, oh, this kid doesn't want to play left back. I I gotta I gotta play him at left striker so so he doesn't fall out of love with the game. Right. You know what I mean? It's a panic. Mm -hmm. They don't know the nuances of the game and how to relate that to a kid. And they'll be like, oh, he's nine. He won't understand. Dude, he's nine. That's the time to explain it to them, man. Their mind's like a sponge. And that's the thing, Jess, is like they – these coaches don't know how to explain things to players that allow these players like – like they play 7v7 right now for my 2011s, right? And my center mid's like, uh, uh, my center mid will be like, oh, Coach Joey, I want to, I want to, you know, I want to get forward more. I want to, I want to play a little striker. Well, again, I explain the same thing. Is there moments where you can, where you can combine with the nine, right, and the striker and get it behind? Can you play the ball? Can you break lines? Play the ball to winger and get forward for his cross and behind the striker goes near post. You go back post and you're getting in behind for the cross and scoring goals. Oh yeah, Coach, that makes sense. Yeah, the, you have to recognize those moments, but I also recognize that you're very you're very good at breaking up play. You're very good at breaking lines. In the past, does he go into striker? Yes, but I allow the kids to know how good they are at that position. Guess what? Mm-hmm. Guess guess how many? Uh, what's the hardest position to get a kid to play at a really young age? Goalkeeper. Thank you, goalkeeper. Right? <laughs> guess, and it's not me. Guess how many solidified goalkeepers I have for my 2011s? Do you have three? Two. Damn. Guess where they want to play? <laughs> really? Goalie. They want to be goalies? Obsessed. No way. Obsessed. And guess what they play with? And they, they know what they play with. Their feet. They My 2011s, a lot. There is a lot. My 2011s, right, recycle the ball to their goalkeeper. The goalkeeper plays with feet. And he plays with confidence. Plays out of the back. Like does dude, it does everything. So I make them feel involved. They're not just goalkeepers, and which they should be, right? So that's the thing is like you have to make a kid understand how important they are at that position in order for them to love playing that position. Do I believe in locking kid into one? No, but I also believe that one or two, because of like we talked about before, that overload of information. Like mm-hmm. if like my my right back can't be acting like a striker. He can't be playing with his back to goal. He needs to, you know, because the striker, listen, why don't you right. slide on? I get it. But he's got to be opening up and seeing the field. Now, if he's playing, oh, it's like, oh, coach, I forgot. Like, you know, I was just playing striker. Well, guess what? That's not good enough. Right. You know, and it's not his fault. You just overloaded him with all this information. Right? And you have – and guess what you have? You have a kid like even – okay, I'll play a kid at center mid and striker, right? What do you think? That kid went – I'll say, okay, so-and-so, uh, move up into the into the striker, boom, you go into center mid. What do you think that kid that was just playing center mid starts to do as he's playing striker? He starts to go back – he starts to go back into the center mid role. And then you got to say, no, 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 all the way up there. No, how about just like, like it's just like you, you got to explain like the nuances, Jess. Like there's so much detail and it's okay to explain the kids the detail. And you got to say, hey, recognize you're going into that striker position. Don't drop back in. Do not drop back in. Be ready to break lines. Be ready to receive. Be ready to play in between the defenders. Like explain kids that. But it's okay for a kid. To, guess what position I played my whole entire life? Center mid. Center mid. Why is it not good that I played center mid my whole life? Did I understand the other positions? Yes. When in Finland, right, when we were going for promotion, um, uh, both of our right backs got injured. Guess who played right back for seven games, one goal against? Me. Because I understood the game. But that wasn't because I played right back, Jesse. At, at a young age, I never played defense. Ever. But because I understood the game and I watched the game growing up, I understood what what was 
um, represented in a right back that had nothing to do with playing right back at a youth age. That had to do with growing up and understanding the game and watching the game and being obsessed with the game and the team as a whole. I never played right back. So where's your proof there? Where's your proof that playing different positions means a player understands the game more? Right. 100%. 100% right. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's it's all, it's, I mean, <laughs> I, I love LeBron, as you know, but I mean, it's like, look at him. Like he just knows the game so well that he can play every position. I mean, and I, I don't know if he's played every position or like if he played one position growing up and basketball is a little bit different because, you know, obviously there's only five, but, he, you know, just having the the game IQ to understand what each position needs is is really going to make you a better player, not playing every position on the field. You think Jordan never – okay, you think exactly exactly the same thing. You think Jordan never played center? What what happens if um, Phil Jackson needed him to play center? You don't think he would kill it at center? Right. You know what I mean? Like that's the thing is like you. it's okay to let a kid know he's really good at something. If he wants to play play somewhere, you got to you got to kind of, you know, guide you want to guide him. But like this obsession with like kids playing different positions and like and blah 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 and whatever, it it kind of it kind of leads into um a player not understanding, and that's what we're talking about. People be like, oh, well, that's why every kid thinks that they're six. No, they just don't understand where their attributes might have been best fitted elsewhere. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, so 100%. they think they're a six, you know? And it's also like playing a position is also like a fad. Like you're saying, everybody wants to be Ronaldo or Messi. It's also like a fad where I try to tell kids like that's, do you, again, do you want to be good there or really good here? Mm-hmm. For and, sure. And is it about you or is it about the team? You know what I mean? Like, what do you? Right. You were playing in college at Centenary. What is, what is probably the biggest problem with either being successful or not successful? Like conference champions going to NCAA or not? And and I'll I'll give you an example. All right, was. Was your team that uh, with Reed and all them on as talented as other teams who didn't make it into the NCAA tournament? No, not even close. Not even close. <laughs> not even close. I mean, you had Lucho. Let's say honestly, Lucho and Quinn. Mm-hmm. You had Lucho Quinn. I mean, you and Gold, but you had Lucho. Like we talking about players who could like make game changing differences. Right. Sure. You had Lucho and Quinn. Okay. And I mean, listen, I mean, sorry. And you had, and you had Reed. And Michael. Well, by and the way. Michael. Uh-huh. And Mike, Mary. Yeah, but Mike Stable. wasn't like his brother when it came to like game change. Yeah. Right. Not even, not even close. And we're talking about the players like that could game change or make a difference. Like Lucho's goal against um, Messiah. Really? That's okay. that. Oh, yeah, yeah, You know what I mean? Like even, right. like, even like Reed wasn't, wasn't a talented player, like talent wise, right? right? And this is what I'm getting to, right? Is that soccer is a, is the most team oriented sport in the world, and that's a big thing that Americans don't get. Teaching a kid that for him to be really good in his position helps the team, which in turn helps him. Right. It makes him shine. Right. Like you know, Killian. You know, um, Killian. Yeah. yeah, right? yeah. So Killian's on my um, Morris Elite team now, right? So Killian is a very, very good winger, right? Can play both sides. You know, we we trained him. He can use both feet. But he's also very good at both wingbacks. But he doesn't always like playing there because why? Because he wants to score goals. He wants to be involved in the attack. Mm-hmm. And I explained to him, I was like, Killian, you should be obsessed with being the best. Pl- and he can play all four of those positions, you should be obsessed with being the best player you possibly can be every time you're in one of those positions. Because if I'm a college coach, I'm like, man, if he goes there, he's nasty. If he goes there, he's nasty. Right. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. he's doing a job for the team. And the point going back to the centenary thing is you have a bunch of players doing a job for the team that leads to right. success rather than the other more talented teams that want to be a bunch of individuals playing to the crowd lead to no team success. Right, 
And that's what you got to teach kids at a young age is like your position not only benefits you, but it benefits a team. And it's okay to teach a kid that. It's okay to be solidified into one position because guess what that translates to, Jesse? Success in mm-hmm. centenary. Now, right. you know what I mean? Like, and, But the problem is, is like these kids come from teams where their individual plays because their coaches are so obsessed with winning games that their individual play means something, Right. And, and they don't have that team camaraderie on being obsessed um, with with helping themselves out for the team. Okay, like, like for instance, um, John at, at Centenary for Josh, right? Broke the single okay. season record um, for assists, for right? Assist. Great. But guess what I see as a former pro – and which I which I'd love to talk to him, which I'm sure he would want to hear. Guess what I see from him on the field? Selfishness. I see not that I see a player who moves for himself, not for his teammates. He always moves to receive the ball. So mm. so my thing is that movement might lead to eleven assists, but it leads to fifteen goals against. Right. Because this player is getting dragged out of position. This player is getting dragged out of – you know what I mean? Like, and it's 100%. not his fault. Yep. Yep. It's, it's not his fault. You know, I have conversations with Josh all the time about that stuff. It's like, <laughs> yeah, like you, you, you're – he's getting assists. But are his assists sacrificing goals against? And at their age, it's about winning. So it, right. you know what I mean? So like if John learned that maybe six assists – leads to four goals against you win more games you know because he's yeah. not mm-hmm. not making those over the top runs in behind he's not dribbling and losing the ball do you know what i mean he's recognizing yep, yep, yep. Like, this is the moment to get the assist this is the moment where hey you know we're up one nil here but if i you know the team's tired if i do this then the counterattack and now it's one one do you, you you know but if he learned right. at a young age he wouldn't have any problems See what you're saying. So, well, I, I want to go back now to to where we got kind of caught off track, but I'm um, talking about how you know there's so many teams now, and it the we're diluting the the quality. So, what should as a parent, player, uh, you know, coach, whatever, what what do we want to look for in a club team that may be just starting up? Okay, so I took a few notes about this because I knew we were going to talk about it. All right. So first of all, I want to break. I want to break this down into a few into a few areas. There are there are way too many. Let's just say New Jersey, right? There's way too many soccer clubs in New Jersey, and the honest reason of why there's a lot of soccer clubs in New Jersey is because people recognize they can make good money. Okay, um, it has nothing to do with anything else. Nothing to do. Right. Could I start a soccer club? Absolutely. But then I'd go against what I'm saying because do I think that me starting a soccer club will lead to quality, quality coaches, kids being in a good environment? Yes. But then I'm just diluting it more rather than I join North Elite and I make sure players come there. Okay. So there's way too many clubs. All right. And and that's and that's a it's a big, big issue. It dilutes the talent. Like when I played, it was it was like us SSG Sharks, match fit, PDA, and I think like world class, like one other one other team. Everybody else was irrelevant. And um and so it the high it was so easy for ODP to pluck these players because all the best players were playing at these clubs. But then guess what, Jesse? The four players who were unhappy, they they were unhappy and then they recognized this, so they started this club, and then four players from another team were unhappy, they started that club. Do you know what I mean? And it, it came right this started because people are little babies and they don't want to battle for positions or they don't want to recognize that, hey, maybe I'm just not good enough for this level. I should play this level. And that's what happens, right? It's like instead of telling kids they're not good enough for this level, we just start another team that can play at that level. Right. <laughs> what does that do, man? Like that doesn't do anything. It doesn't do anything to help. So again, too many clubs. Okay. Then the um, the next part about it is uh, where am I here? The next part is this obsession where, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna bring somebody's name up because it, it upsets me. I mean, you talked about it. Is 
Oh, this all pay to play. This pay to play. Everybody pays to play. Eddie Johnson talked about that, right? With the guy. Oh, you know, all these kids from the hood, they can't afford it. Like it's too expensive. Here's my problem with Eddie, what Eddie Johnson said is like, he's talking out of emotion and not facts. And that's a problem with everything going on in this society nowadays, right? Everybody's talking emotion, not facts. The fact is this, in order to have coaches like Joey Spivak be full-time, you need to pay. Right. You need to pay. We are not backed uh, in European clubs. And that's what like, oh, that's what I honestly, I, I, I really dislike the word hate, Jesse, but I hate when people are like, oh, in Europe and in and all these countries, like, you know, the kids play for free. Um, That's because the clubs are backed by millionaire and billionaire yeah. clubs that pay the coaches. Like, mm-hmm. what? Why don't you target that? Why don't you say like, hey, why don't these sponsors, Morgan Stanley, all these people back these clubs so that parents have to pay a lot less, right? And right. they're still getting paid. So in order to employ Joey Spivak, you need to pay. Might you be paying too much? Yes, that might, I might agree with Eddie Johnson. But he's he's playing the card of like, oh, people can't afford it. There needs to be scholarships, stuff like that. Uh, all right, Eddie Johnson, then why are you charging $150 for a private session? What kids from the hood are paying for your sessions? You know what I mean? So he's targeting, trying to target these clubs. Meanwhile, he's charging $150 an hour. I don't see any kids from the hood training with him. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like you got to argue the facts. The fact is that there's too many clubs and they're all charging a lot of money. That's the problem. And if, okay, say a club's charging $3,000, paying me $3,000 is uh, not $3,000, you know what I mean? Paying to, Get coached by me, three grand is different than Ishkosh Kabish over there, three grand. That's what you should talk about. You should talk about like you're paying for a high quality coach, the same for a crap coach. That's what Eddie Johnson right. is talking about, and and that should be the, like the conversation. You, you you can't put it down to the fact that some people can afford it and some people can't because there's not there's no funding. You know what I mean? Like there's no funding to pay these coaches. If there if there was funding, yes, then it would be messed up that people are still paying. I get, I get that, and maybe Red Bulls who have all the funding and the financial backing should do a better job of getting the kids out of the hood who are really super talented. Right? Why are you blaming? Why are you blaming these clubs who don't operate on the same money as Red Bulls? Why are you blaming them? Like, why are you blaming Amoris Elite who's providing a good platform for charging people? Like, literally providing a good platform with me, my brother. You know, the guy Scott and this guy Esty, mm-hmm. just to just talk about a few coaches, who are providing coaches who are obsessed with developing talent. Why are you blaming them? You should be blaming Red Bulls for that. Not just the comic right. clubs who are actually trying to also provide a good environment but don't have financial backing. You know, so – and then another problem but is – But it's all, it would also be blaming the system at how easy it is to start a club team. That's the one we, you and I were talking about, right? So yeah. I don't yeah. even care about this, right? I don't even care about calling this club out. Center Court FC, right? With this whole with this whole COVID situation, they their club. Um, what's the word I'm looking for, Jess? Folded. Yeah, folded. Right. So they have a, they have a few they have a few good coaches. I mean, the guy who started the club uh, was a hairdresser before he came to America, and yet he was able to start a soccer club. Just to uh, air that one out, he was a hairdresser. <laughs> a hairdresser. Okay. So there you go. Right. Had an English accent hairdresser. Awesome. Awesome. Definitely should start a club in America. Um, so whatever, started a club. Say he hired good coaches, right? So they folded. Sad that they folded, whatever they folded, right? And they folded because they didn't pay their coaches during COVID. All the coaches are on visas, right? Now, now where are the coaches gonna go? So one of the coaches, instead of him coming to Morrisley, I don't even care if it's SCN, I don't even care if it's PDA. Instead of those clubs giving him a job and him bringing his players over to to not dilute it anymore, right. he starts his own club. What's the right. only reason he's starting his own club, Jess? Money. Money. Because you could still bring your players over to Morris Elite, get a coaching job, make money, right, and and put your players in a good environment. And you can also shop around with your, your with your players. Shop around. See what's going to give you – if you want, see who's going to give you the most money and put your players in the best environment. Because just because you're going to PDA, one of the higher clubs, doesn't mean you're going to the best environment. Everybody everybody knows that, right? right. They're, they're a very good name, but everybody knows that. So that's the problem. And what should NJ Soccer do? NJ Soccer should be like, no, dude, like like no. Like there's too many clubs in that in that area. 
you have to find a way to, um, you know, we'll push you to be able to get a job here or here. We'll push your name forward because you're a high-quality coach. But why are they allowing him to start a club? Because that means he pays – people are going to pay him. He makes money. He's going to pay all these leagues. They make more money. Everything is about making more money. Instead, what I was, and I talk to my dad about this all the time, is what frustrates me is you can still make a lot of money with quality. Right. You know what I mean? Like I can go – just. Mm-hmm. I can make, excuse my language, shit tons of money with tactics, <laughs> training right. everybody. I don't know if you have to bleep that out, right? But with everybody, training everybody, I don't. I pick and choose my players, and the way I pick and choose them is I need a player who who him themselves are dedicated to getting better. They will have to want to get better, not their parents. I have people texting me nonstop. Like this, no, no, no. Like I, I, I get a, like little arguments with my brother all the time like no i can't train a man and the point is like i'm not obsessed with making so much money i'm obsessed with developing kids and if in turn i get more money with that great and guess what more money has come because people recognize that all i care about is quality right And my thing is like just because you're having small numbers doesn't mean you don't make money you can actually start to do what? Because there's quality. Charge more. Right. You know what I mean? Like that's like that's the thing is like people think like, oh man, less numbers means less money. No, actually less numbers, what it does, like say you have a club, right? And you start with a few good teams and you have less numbers and you charge three grand. Then all of a sudden what happens is you, you gain such a great reputation that now you have one more team with quality players, they charge three, they're charged three grand. You have another team, right? Because people are saying, man, this team is so much, this club has so much quality. So actually it brings in more and more and more money. Right. They're not focused on the quality. They just want the money and they'll throw any coach at it. They'll throw any player on the team and that's crap. It's not good. And they have people like Eddie Johnson criticizing these clubs, yet he's charging 150 bucks. Like, stop criticizing the clubs for the wrong reasons. Talk about there's too many clubs. Talk about there's too many clubs charging the same amount of money as a quality club. And that's the thing is, like, people just want to – the kid doesn't play, which which I which I obviously disagree with because there's, they, they shouldn't worry about winning at 10 years old, right? And mm-hmm. they run away and they go to the next club. Right. You know, so it's just, it's, it's a very, it's a very poorly run system that's obsessed with making money in the wrong way. It's completely the wrong way. You can make money with quality easily. 100%. Wow. Well, Joey, we've been going for about an hour. Um, This has been very enlightening. So, uh, you know, I've enjoyed, (laughs) enjoyed hearing it again, but um, so what I want to ask you before we go is kind of what I've been asking every every coach coming on is, you know, now that we've kind of understood your way and your way of coaching and teaching, you know, what what do you want your kids to say about you whenever you're done coaching them and you move on or they move on, whatever, whatever it may be? Hmm, good question. Um I I just really want my kids to go away knowing how much I cared about them as people first, you know, um, that I didn't care about the results that they, that they brought. I cared about their, the development of their character and who they are as people because it will lead to success either in soccer and away from soccer. And this obsession with winning and creating these clubs based on winning and, and who gets the best players has actually almost formed this anxiety within these players being obsessed with winning rather than I want kids to be obsessed with how to adapt and how to um, recognize moments in soccer and adapt to moments in soccer that relate to adapting and recognizing moments in life, right? You, you don't want them to have anxiety because there's pressure going on. You want them to accept the pressure and figure out how to adapt to the pressure, you know? And I, and that's what right. I, I really, I really care more about the boy or the girl developing as a person rather than the soccer player. Because like I said, in the beginning, if you focus on that, 
it's very easy to develop the soccer player. So if they if they go away with knowing how much I cared about them as a person, that's all I care about. And a good example is I'm not easy on my 2011s. You know, I believe in a, in a good balance, right? That's what I believe. I believe right. you have to be their friends. You have to be their mentor. You also have to be their coach and you have to find the right balance on when to do so. And, I, and a good example is I'm not easy on my 2011s. You know, I have, I have a high demand because that's just the environment that like we're in. And, and if you don't want to be a part of that environment, that's fine. But the one thing I took away from my 2011s last uh, end of last fall season, right, is we were in the circle with the, like a parents, like just talking and stuff and, uh, and eating some food. And they go, Joey, we just want to let you know that every one of these kids want to be at training. And I'll that's like, awesome. That's all I need. Dude, that's that's all. Right. I and one parent just told me the other day, he goes, he goes, you don't give yourself enough credit. And I don't because, again, this is not about me. Like I had that, – that's another thing, right, about these coaches. Like this is like their moment, Jesse, right, to be successful. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my career, man. This is about <laughs> the kid. Like, already, like honestly, it's about how you win and how you lose, right, and and adapting right. to, and recognizing how you're winning and how you're losing and adapting to that. And and this and this dad gave me like one of the best comments. And he goes, you don't recognize – you don't give yourself enough credit for the environment that you create within these kids that – at nine years old, these kids are playing different sports, which I which I think is great. And I believe there's a point in time mm-hmm. you know, where kids have to choose a sport. He goes, you get kids that play in the same season, football, baseball, lacrosse, or, or some other sport, and they're at right. every single game and every single training session. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, And I was like, I, I didn't get it at first. He goes, think about it. Like, They are missing their other sports just to be – at soccer doesn't mean it's their even their favorite sport but their parents and themselves are recognizing that they are learning something so important at my training sessions that mean more than just the sport of soccer and i was like right geez like that's awesome you know what i mean just i don't think about it like that i just do me man but but again like i i care about these kids man and i care about how they grow up and and that they're a, a reflection of of me and and what I stand for as a person I believe in you know really good morals and being a good person and being and being the same person no matter what situation you're in and no matter who you're in front of and I have a line I say whether people are talking crap about me or people are love or people love me they're both saying the same thing and I can go I like it. I, I like that. that. And that's and that's where you should live your life by. Honestly, like being the realest of real people, not disrespecting people for the ones who you know don't agree with you, but you're right. always doing the same thing. Because if you can do that, then then you are being true to yourself. And that's my thing is like whether people love me or they hate me, they're both saying the same thing. Love and it. that's all, love it. all I care about. So um, you know, and I want and I want my kids to have that same same mentality to be respectful. You know, to have a balance on um, their focus and their and their fun, but to but to, for them to go away knowing that that I cared more about them as people than anything else. For sure, I love it. We got to end it on that because that was amazing. That was awesome. Thank you for all that. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate it, and we'll be in touch. Yeah, man, I appreciate you. And again, you know, I really do hope you have you have a, a lot of success with this because I think you're coming from a, from a genuine place. And I think you, what I like about what you're doing, uh, not to, you know, beef you up anymore, not to say, <laughs> I feel like you're doing this to learn more mm-hmm. than you are to be successful. And that, and that is what's super important. You know, a lot of people want to be famous to be famous, but it's, it's a different thing when you become famous because you wanted to learn. Right. Well, that's oh, yeah. No, I mean, you're exactly right. <laughs> you know, learned, dude, uh, yeah, in, in these 20 episodes or so that I've done that I've released, I mean, it's been awesome. It's changed. I mean, my perspective of coaching has changed, you know, a complete 180. And I just, I mean, yeah, just the mindset to, to everything. And it, so it's been awesome. So thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing for me, you know, like for the last thing, like one of my players, one of my, you know, um, I mean, this kid can play, he's 2000, he can play anywhere in New Jersey on any team, top team, easily. And I had a little emotional moment. His dad goes, the only 
the only reason we are still here is because of you. And and because he wanted to know like what I was doing, what my next move was, and I was like, oh, you know, I'm 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 staying. Like everything was like okay, because the only reason we're here is because of you. And and that and I try to tell people, I'm not gloating about myself because that has nothing to do with Joey the soccer player or soccer coach. That has to do with Joey the person. Person, yeah. Because yep. in order for that kid to want to be there, you have to want to teach him. You have to want to learn yourself, and you have to want to understand him as a person. And that's what you're doing so well here is like you're wanting to learn. You want to understand people. You want to understand the environment. You want to understand coaching, and that will lead to more success. And and if that and if I don't become and this is the this is where coaches have to understand. If you don't become famous, your name's not out there, but you're affecting one kid's life like that, that should all that should be all that matters to you. Is the fact right. that you're making a difference in at least one kid's life, because that might mean he later in return makes a difference in 20 kids' lives. Not even as a coach, just as a general person. Right. hundred percent. Hence, hence 100%. like I wasn't easy on you. Yep. <laughs> I wasn't easy on you. But the thing is like I mean, we had we had that one conversation where I gave you a little bit of a reality check, and you were like, "Dude, like you should." You told me that you do. You should have your own podcast, and I was like, "Yeah, like <laughs> maybe, maybe I should." But like, this is like this is knowledge for you, and it kind of gave you like even a little bit uh, of of a wake up call. And that's the thing is like some you can you can be honest with people, and you can want to learn from people, and you can want to listen to people, but and and, and again, it comes down to that honesty, but. That honesty, I always say this, honesty, and this is the problem with our country right now, right? Honesty gets you from A to B a lot quicker right? than, than the beating around the bush or telling people what they want to hear. Honesty gets you from A to B a lot quicker. How you relay that honesty definitely depends on the person and the situation, but honesty gets you from A to B a lot quicker. So I love it. I love it. All right. We'll end on that. Joey, again, thank you. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much.